What is up, people? And welcome back to the Highline Podcast. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. Because it's FA Cup week. Still. Still. Which we hear we're just after are watching Wigan at Man United. And United come home comfortable victors 2-0. But we're not going to spend much time talking about that game because no one cares. Including us. No. That Manchester United beat anyone in the FA Cup. The semi-interesting game is the Liverpool-Arsenal game, which we'll discuss. But really, last week we took a look at the season as a whole so far. And we also then in the previous episode focused solely on the top and on the bottom. And right now we're looking at the middle. Today we're looking at the middle. But more specifically, we're looking at Manchester United because... Big changes. Big changes. So much to discuss with United. But even the fact that they are considered the middle... Is a talking point in itself. Is a talking point in itself. They're the, they have by far the most resources of any team in the Premier League. They're the biggest name in the Barclays Premier League. One of the biggest names, they're definitely top two biggest names in, in football. How have they got themselves from an era of, more than an era, a generation of dominance? How have they gotten themselves to such mediocrity? And more importantly, how do they get back? We'll be looking at every every single aspect of it. We're going to break down the Ineos takeover. We're going to break down the transfers in and outs of the past transfer windows, of future transfer windows, of this transfer window, of what's even possible. We're also going to go through the entire squad, of which it's quite thin at the minute when you look at the bench from this evening. But I'm going to start by asking you, quite fresh what do you think of the takeover the takeover I think if the Qatari bid wasn't there I think Man United fans would be satisfied and would be happy and would be optimistic I think the Qatari prospect prospect grabbed fans and I can understand why fans Mm. would be intrigued and would want that based off of looking all you have to do is look across the city yeah, literally. what yeah. state-owned club. But can I go back, can I actually ask that question? Because it was a debate I was having at the time, hugely. Because, I'll give an example. When the news broke that it was looking like Qatar was favourites, yeah. you know, it was, it was a bit after they were announced that they were in the race, but they were, they were really looking favourites. Ferdy was... Yeah, Rio, Ferd, Rio Ferdinand was convinced it was Convinced, happening. right? With his inside knowledge, like... Yeah. But <clears throat> when I was saying it to one of, the, one of my friends... I was like, God, this will be a myth. He he couldn't understand why I would want Manchester United or even accept Manchester United being state-owned because of the given out that I would have done about, not given out as much, but almost reluctance to praise, praise the likes of a city, stuff like that. And for me, it's different. And... For me, it's different because United are completely sustainable and they're self-sustainable and that's no problem. They can be self-sustainable. They've also won everything there is to win while being self-sustainable by completely focusing on the football, building up organically from nothing. Railroad workers back in the day. So I feel like not just football, but sport is getting taken over 
you see entire sports such as golf you see it in formula one you see it in all sports is getting taken over by middle eastern money because as rory mcelroy quoted in his last interview you can't compete with it there is no competing with this sort of money it's 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 unfathomable so it did the whole because i'm a golf fan as well it did change my view a bit on it in terms of rather than solely rejecting the money it's more so about using the middle eastern influence and impact on on kind of western culture and kind of nearly bringing them fast tracking their progress you know about the human rights and everything like that from from kind of the western the western examples but from back to a football point of view i didn't mind hugely because united are already so self self sustainable that it was more so about the structure they'd bring in with the them. structure they'd bring in and actually protecting united united was being burnt yeah it was like united for as good as they were they're humiliating with their stadium from their training ground from their plan from their organizational structure was embarrassing but th- this is this is what i mean by already the, we're talking so much about the qataris here in man united it's irrelevant mm. they haven't taken the club over yeah they didn't appeal like say what you want about jim ratcliffe jim ratcliffe played the game he wanted to buy man united so he did it the way the glazers wanted he knew how to do a deal he came out of it with what he wanted so we all we can do here is look at the prospect of Ineos. Talking about Qatar is not in the game anymore. It's mm. not in the equation. Mm. It's not happening. Mm. And United fans, I think, need to actually give this guy, Jim Ratcliffe, a chance. Because they've, it's almost like they've written him off already because he hasn't come in and bought 100% of the club. The players just weren't selling 100% of the club. So... Ratcliffe played the game he got what he wanted this is all whether the Glazers mean it or not it's all with the view of eventually owning the majority of the club but for now the Glazers are going the Glazers are going to give this a shot it's a win-win situation for them they have been critiqued the most for the way they've ran the football operations of the club now they can hand that all away all the criticism all the scrutiny they hand that over to this guy. They say, you control all of this. And whether you're successful or not, we're still making money. But all of the criticism is going to fall on you. So win-win for them. Mm. Happy days. That's why they didn't sell 100%. That's why they didn't take all this. But how could they not take the Qatari offer? It cleared the debt. It promised so-and-so what is it it promised 2 billion funding stadium revamp team clear out the Glazers didn't, don't care about that yeah. they only care about money and Ratcliffe promises them the Ratcliffe deal promises them money still and all the scrutiny passed on because from now on whatever happens on the pitch the Glazers say well, we, Nothing to do with that. We didn't make that call. We so, didn't sack that so, manager. So let's talk about the. Let's talk about Ineos. Yes, let's talk what about What do Ineos. you think is the most immediate steps and changes that not just United fans but football fans will notice with Man United? Well, already, Sir David Brailsford has gone in there and he is conducting a review of 
the club from top to bottom already. Football operations. Football operations, because that's all they have control over. That's and all Ratcliffe wanted control over for now. And, and is he, so he, he's active in the club, is he also analysing the likes of Ten Hag and the players? As or far as I'm aware, Ten Hag's job is not the immediate concern. Yeah. They want to clean up all of the above and the manager will be looked at last. The way I see it is the manager's job, unless he goes through an outrageously poor run of form with a load of embarrassing results where it comes to the point, it he cannot possibly still have a job, then he'll lose it. But for now, it's all about how have Man United gotten this situation? It's because of how poorly ran they've been. It's because of ill-equipped people in positions of superior and extreme power in terms of football decision-making. Mm. And they, David Brailsford wants to know how the day-to-day operations of the club is ran. Who's doing this job? Who's doing that job? Who's head of this? Who's head of that? And he'll go back to Jim Ratcliffe and he'll say, such and such is not being ran properly. We need to change this. It's already quite clear that Jean-Claude Blanc is going to be the CEO. He's yeah. been seen at the matches. So there's already a new one. There's a yeah. new CEO. It's going to be him. He's been CEO of PSG. He has experience. He's a football man which is not what United have had as a CEO, mm. i.e. Ed Woodward. And it's always been a business person. It's always been a business person, even Richard Arnold's business person. It's not a football person. In terms of recruitment, we look, we see at Man United's recruitment since Ten Hag has taken no, over. No it looks like it's Ten Hag. Mm. Who is the head of recruitment? Who's the team of scouts? Who, what's the decision-making process in terms of transfers? All these little nitty gritty stuff is what David Brailsford is doing at the minute. Whilst this deal is being ratified still, because let's not forget that the deal isn't officially one hundred percent completed yet. Yep. They're still waiting for it's the the fact that David Brailsford and Jim Ratcliffe have been to Carrington, have been to Old Trafford, have yeah. held talks, yeah, shows they're they're confident this is going to get done. It's just a matter of getting through the process itself. So that's the immediate changes will be in ice. They'll, a director of football will be appointed. Uh, head of recruitment would be appointed and you'll just see a complete overhaul of the football structure of the club that will be the immediate impact of Ineos and in my opinion that's as good a start as you can make in that club you talked about Ten Hag's position not being an immediate concern to Brailsford when you step back and you dissect the last 18 months in your opinion is he the right man well Man United find themselves in a very strange position when the end of 2023 you think about all the optimism around that club <clears throat> from January to May <clears throat> January they beat City at the Manchester Derby the feel around the club was incredible <clears throat> they had put it up to City I remember watching that game they went 1-0 down but they should have been winning at half time it was it was, it was at Old Trafford. It was the, it was game, it was the game City registered one shot on target. Yeah, and Rashford scored, scored the, winner, the winner and they played brilliantly. Then in February, they beat Barcelona. Mm. They Comfort- won Quite comfortably. Comfortably. They won their first trophy in, what was it, six years? March, April, May, they finished the season, Champions League spots, on the back of their worst season of all time statistically. So Ten Hag was... Turned it around. He turned it around. He turned it around. In a season. So naturally everyone thought, well, that was his first season. How, what are United going to look like when they kick on? And they haven't kicked on. But can I ask you, can I come to that, right? I think 
there was a huge difference in United fans' optimism from the last game of the season... To the end of the transfer window. To the end of the transfer window, right? No one and was convinced no, about and, transfers. And nothing about that. I'm wondering, do you think that's on Ten Hag? Well, it's or his, is that it's on his the signings. structure? It's his signings. It's, his, it's a mix of both. <clears throat> the structure shouldn't allow for Ten Hag to have the final say. Yeah. And I think that's where Ten Hag will run into problems with Ineos. Is that I think Ineos, if you look at their structure at Nice, there's a director of football and... The manager, the head coach, he's not, he's not referred to as the manager, he's referred to as the head coach. Ineos want a football structure where decisions are made and there's a head coach, sole purpose, coach the team. They can come in, they can be, they can have an opinion on proposed targets, but they don't have a say as in, if the recruitment team have done their background checks, they like a player, he's, he's coming in. He suits what they believe is the core. Of course, the head coach has to be consulted. If the head coach says absolutely not, yeah. they'll take that into account. Most likely won't be signed. But Ten Hag has such power over transfers at the minute. It's how can you give someone so much control and then take it away from them? No one's going to like that. It doesn't matter whether Ten Hag is obviously going to think that he's doing a good job. You don't make it in that elite level if you don't have that belief in yourself. So he's looking at these signings and he's saying, oh, well, whatever about Anthony, look at Martinez. Casemiro saved me last season. Yeah. Mount could be a good sign and we haven't seen him yet. Yeah. Hoyland could be a good sign and he's shown glimpses, he's shown flashes, he has potential. For someone to relinquish that control will be very hard and I think Ten Hag will be reluctant to relinquish that control. Mm. And I think that's where they'll clash heads. And I think that's ultimately, whatever about the performances on the pitch, I think that's where the relationship between Ten Hag and Ineos will break down. I don't think Ten Hag will relinquish that control he has over transfers. I don't think Ineos will want him to have such control over transfers. I think that's where the relationship will start to break down. I don't think Ten Hag is an Ineos manager. So if Ten Hag is not... Who do you think is? I was actually, I was looking at the odds today. Yeah. Graham Potter is the favourite yeah. and I completely understand that. I can see all the logic there for Graham Potter being linked. Ineos held talks with him for the Nice job after he was sacked by Chelsea. He didn't want to get back into management. It was too soon. He wanted a break. Fair enough. That was, that Chelsea job must have taken a lot out of him because yeah. it was tough. But he didn't cover himself in glory. And I know I say Chelsea's a tough place to go. If you can't handle Chelsea, you can't you're handle not going to be able to handle United. No. You're just not. I think, I don't think Ineos will go for a strong personality, if that makes sense. To go for a coach. I think they want someone that will come in, coach the players, and will essentially stay in line. I think they want the decision-making people to be the root of all decisions. Now, I don't know whether that will work or mm. not. But just a passing comment, because if... the if if what you're saying is correct and that's their intention, they're not coming into Manchester United to reverse time and copy what made them sex successful no, previously. They have their because own plan. United were se- successful by getting a guy to manage it all. Yeah, had his it was firmly his footprint was all United. over the club, and Bar Pep and Klopp. Is there another manager in the world that has sort of that control anymore? 
those days are gone. Yeah. It's all in structure. It's all through recruitment teams. It's all through directors of footballs. But then you look, okay, two of the most successful managers are Pep and Klopp. Yeah. So that's, no, I, you're not proving they're, me. They're superhuman. There's no other Pep or Klopp out there at the minute, yeah. is there? When you, when you look around, who is there? They are ridiculous people and they've been there so long like they were there since 2016 those like the director of football wasn't as prominent then mm. as it is now in terms of who United go for I don't think Ten Hag will be manager at the start of next season personally I don't think he'll last that long survive that but who it could be it, I'd put my money on Graham Potter purely because Rack, I know Ratcliffe likes him based on reports and he would have hired him if he wanted the Nice job. Yeah. And he's British. I think Ratcliffe really wants to get a British core in there. I know. I think Which, so And too. I think you'll see that in transfers as well. We're going to look at the present. Yeah. Right now. And, and, and then we're going to kind of move into the future and really, really tear down this squad. But right now, the question I'll pose to you is, what can Manchester United do with this transfer window? As in January. What can they do? Well, they can do nothing, very little. They're very, very um, They're tied. stretched. Hands are tied. And the whole reason I think Reguillon was sent back to Spurs was to free up a loan spot. You can only have a certain amount of loans. Right. And Reguillon was sent back for to free up a loan spot. I wouldn't be surprised if a more experienced striker came in. Who? God only knows. It's not going to be Weghorst again because we all know that experiment failed dramatically. But most... You have, to, you have to say most loan experiments with the exception oh, yeah. maybe of Ericsson failed. Yeah, like... United, a team with the ambitions of Manchester United should not be doing loan deals. Constantly. Like, look at Arsenal. Look at City. Look at Liverpool. They don't do loan deals. They have a plan. They loan players. They have a plan. They loan players. They loan players because they're part of the plan. They need the experience. Go out, get the game time. You're not ready for game time now, but we've planned for you for two years' time. You will get the game time. We believe in you. Yeah. United players are you think United players are going out on loan are players that they don't want there anymore. Sancho. These are the players that are going out on loan. Yeah. Police Street. Oh, they're just doing it to get, get them out of the way. They're not doing it for the benefit of the player. No. Bar a couple of young players. Like Brilliant. Ahmad. Ahmad last season, great loan. Yeah. I think Hannibal is going, he had chosen to go to Sevilla on loan. They're good loans. But it's just not ran well enough. And to go back to United signing loan players, no, it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. And it just shows that it just highlights the lack of planning in that department. So go back on Sancho because he obviously was chased by United for two years. And rightfully so. And he, rightfully it so. seemed like the perfect transfer, the perfect fit. He was the top assists in Europe's top five leagues for for two seasons and he was extremely young, British winger. It suited Solskjaer's transfer policy. It, it suited everything. Is there, there's two questions I'm going to ask you, right? Is there a way back for a match United, number one? And... For the larger footballing world, does this loan move back to Borussia Dortmund in January look worse on Sancho or look worse on United? It looks worse on United purely from the fee. Dortmund are paying three million loan fee. 
but that's wages included. There's wages included in that package. So it's like wages and a loan fee and it's three million. Like how long does it take for Sancho to earn three million in his wages? So it looks bad on United. It looks a bit embarrassing. They have left with egg on their face, but I do think it could work for them. I don't think there's any way, like there's not a loser in this deal. Sancho goes to Dortmund and he plays badly. It's, oh, we were proven right. He's not good. Sancho goes and he plays well. Either the value increases and you can actually move him on for something worth something. Yeah. Or he comes back where Ten Hag is likely not going to be there. A manager can come in, could fancy him, arm around the shoulder. He's. I see this purely as Sancho going out and getting match fit. Yeah, I know. That's what it looks like yeah. to me. Yeah. And if he does badly, he does badly. But, but, he wasn't playing with us anyway. <clears throat> but if he does well, there's only positives. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to actually fight United's corner a small bit in this. And Ten Hag's especially. Sancho was deeply underperforming. He was. Last season. Ten Hag said, look, go away, train individually in, in Holland, get your head right, come back. He was welcomed back. He was integrated with the squad really, really well from Ten Hag. Arm around the shoulder, as you described. I can see the picture. Sancho had it as a profiler on every single account. Ten Hag did everything right in that did situation. Did everything right in that situation, like Ten Hag seemed to do last year in terms of player management. I think Sancho's a poor attitude. <clears throat> and I think Sancho's a poor attitude. I think he's a really poor attitude. But there's no doubt there's a player there. And at the end of the day, football changes. It, things happen and players come back. And I don't think Ten Hag will be there. And I think it's telling enough that there was no buy option included. Yeah, so and United and United made sure there was no buy option included. So, Ratcliffe, as I said, he wants that British core. Sancho, at his best, was one of England's best. Yeah, it suits the structure and the yeah. the plan he has in place. Yeah, whether he actually goes and does anything is it? And I just think. I think that dressing room isn't with Ten Hag, and I think Sancho even coming out back in August with that statement if Ten Hag had universal backing in that dressing room he had his foot down everyone was breathing living on his words Sancho does not do that because he's shooting himself in the foot he obviously did that because he felt he, he was speaking for more than himself yeah and especially with the likes of the United players not shunning him entirely they're saying oh come on apologise come back into the team they haven't entirely thrown him kicked him to the dirt even though he's just undermined every he's just undermined the manager Mm. and the players are still saying oh come back you're still our friend like Mm. he Sancho doesn't do that unless he senses that there's people that don't I don't think that dressing room is behind him we have to talk, we've, we've touched on this in another podcast, but the Onana saga, I mean, so United signed Bayinder. As you rightfully said, top Fenerbahce goalkeeper, won the league with Fenerbahce, Fenerbahce's number one. Signed them last summer as a number two to Onana. Now, number twos can sometimes play all the cup games, but when the number one is out, the number two is trusted with the goal, with the position. United are and have 
begged Cameroon to allow Onana, who statistically has been the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League this season, begged them for them to stick around, for to allow Onana to stick around until Sunday to play against Tottenham. And Cameroon played their first game in the African Cup of Nations on Monday in a different continent. Now, what message will that send to Bayinter in terms of he's just a new sign-in, that's all good, but this is his job, this is when he's, he knew the African Cup of Nations was coming, everyone knew it was coming. This is when he's going to step in, especially with how poor Onana has been. What message would that send to him having your club beg the statistically worst keeper in the league to stay because they don't want you. It's very damning. It's her. I I think it's it's as bad as it gets. And if I was being there, I'd be onto my agent. <clears throat> I'd be out. There. Why would you be there? You're not wanted. It's like being not wanted in a workplace, any workplace. What do you do when you're not wanted? And the thing is, United are going to need Beinder while Onan is away anyway. Like he's, they're going to have to use him. They're, he has to be used. Yeah. So to show such little faith in him. What's he going to do when he actually plays? Like he's going to play. Like that game there tonight against Wigan. Perfect game. Perfect for B. Perfect game. Onana faced one shot. Make your debut. Get a feel for it. Clean sheet. Clean sheet. Happy days. Go to Spurs. You're going to be under the cosh. Like every keeper against Spurs is under the cosh. And like, and it's not like he's a he's a scrub. He's Turkey. He was Turkey's number one last year. Fenerbahce is number one last year. Fenerbahce are the best team in Turkey. He's not a scrub. But it's what makes it... Ten Hag doesn't do that to players that that he signs. No, he backs them. So is it his signing? Are you questioning now whether it's Ten Hag signing at all? You don't sign it. When I seen they signed him, I was like, this is a bit like a Romero signing. Yeah, a good signing. A good number two. He can play the cup games. Onana can get his rest in. And as well, I think, like, Onana, when he signed for United, was retired from Cameroon. He had to fallen out with Cameroon. Yeah, when they signed him, there was no talk of Africa Cup of Nations. Yeah. That's why United have the leverage of saying to Cameroon, can we keep him? When we signed him, we knew, we didn't think he was going anywhere. Whereas you've come in now. And I think it's, it's very damning for Onana's commitment to the national team as well. What does it say about your commitment to the national team if you're just you're just turning up? I know for the first game. Yeah, rocking it like he he will arrive. He'll arrive that night, having played the day before. Yeah, in London. I think it says it. I think it's all. It doesn't look good on many fronts. And I think it will look terrible if Onana goes to the Africa Cup of Nations and he's sitting on the bench. Which could happen. Who was the other Cameroon? He didn't play at the World Cup. Who was the other Cameroon keeper? I don't know, but he was sent home from the World Cup. Onana. He didn't play the World Cup last year. Because he went there, fell out with everybody because he wasn't playing. The coach didn't want him to play. That's where all this falling out stemmed from. So I don't know why he's gone back there. I know it's all hard. It's easy to say. It's your country. There's pride. But he, like, if he was proud enough and wanted to play for Cameroon badly enough. This is their biggest tournament. Cameroon could win this tournament, and he's not prioritising it. Is he doing it because he's afraid of losing his spot to be in there? Mm-hmm. Is he doing it because he's not 100% committed to Cameroon? I don't know. It's it's f- baffling, really. I don't know how to describe that situation, but at the end of the day, it just reflects terribly. 
on man management skills because be in there must be feeling bottom of the barrel at the minute and he's expected to go out and play a game and he has to play what we're going to do now right we're going through the entire squad the entire Man United squad and I'm going to give you three options okay the first option is build and build basically means they're in the starting 11 nine times out of ten in the future and you build a team around them keep is a player that you you think United should keep they could be a, a great player for United in the future maybe they're not right there yet but they're really positive for the dressing room and for going forward and sell is whether it be on a loan with a buy option or whether it be get them out as quick as possible they should leave United or not fully based on performance but United should cash in mm. so I think that's an interesting <clears throat> one to so I'm going to start with Bayinder oh. who knows sell you think sell? keep no like he's obviously not in favour sell get the money back for him you won't get the money back for him what was paid for him 4 million okay. Why would, yeah okay what are you saying you're answering these as well. I would, I would say, I'd absolutely keep him. Like you just, like all the points you made, we don't, we we need to see him. Yeah. Like he's, you know, after the end of the day, he's number two. Tom Heaton. Sell. He'd probably be retiring anyway, so yeah, sell, sell, yeah. Andre Onana. That's, that, this is one of the toughest ones in the whole team. Because... I was really excited. Sell. I was really excited. If I was Man United, I'd sell and get Emmy Martinez. It feels messy. You're jumping around goalkeepers, paying huge. Well, are you going to stick with him? What has he shown you? Nothing. But I go back to other United first season number ones, and they've never been good. Oh, but they've That's never the given thing. they've never given away that many goals they have to hit I'll never forget to hit I'll never forget but the, what I would say is different okay about this when De Gea joined United I remember vividly he was very thin mm. small and like thin like Onana's in the game a long time he's experienced Onana's player experience. De Gea was signed as a young goalkeeper that's why I'd give those sort of players more of yeah. a chance because you're young a young keeper always has so much time to mature develop Onana's there he's at his peak he's developed this is Onana he is what age is Onana? he's 27, 28, 29 he, yeah. he's in that peak era mm. I'd sell him and I'd get Martinez because at least you know Martinez has personality and he has he's shown in the league he can save a shot Victor Lindelof sell not good enough sell Harry Maguire keep keep Lissandra Martinez build build but I would doubt build he's phenomenal he is I, just, I hope he comes I hope back they, I think I he, he will it was back. only a foot ah, but it's the second time it's happened yeah but it was and it's, it's, it's but no 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 and no, it's surgery no, no, no. you never know if the you're going to come back from surgery the second time was just a recurrent of the first which is not good no but it wasn't fully healed they which admitted, is not good they admitted that after why was he playing poor management Malasia cell cell yeah not good enough Varane 
sell? I'd keep. Why? I'd keep because he's... My thought One here, of the biggest earners in the club. Right? Never well, fit. My, my thought here, okay, is United are constantly short at centre-half, right? Sign centre-half, that would be fit. But, but they're also very short on winners. People who are experienced, winners. Sign and, a winner, that's fit. And Varane is a winner. And United aren't full of many winners at the minute, so I would keep them for now. They're also not full of players that are fit. Diogo Dallo. Um, sell. I don't think he's good. Sell. Luke Shaw, keep. Build. 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 He, he's one of the best left-backs in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wambasaka. I keep Wambasaka. I'd keep him because he gives you such a unique skill set. Yeah. As in, if you go into a semi-final or you're up against an Mbappe, you know if you put him out at right-back, he's going to shut him up. So I just think that unique quality as a defender. And he's not as bad as people make him out to be on the ball. He just looks awkward. Yeah. So I yeah, I'd keep I'd keep Wambasaka. Johnny Evans. Ah, poor Johnny. I feel bad for him. He should he, he he thought he was getting a full retirement package. Yeah, and he should have as well. Because he had, he has got had a good career and he earned he earned a good sit down and he pick is up his wage. Just dying out there with the He dance. is. so I don't even want to say sell, I'd say Keep him till he's retired. Yeah. Just give him his nice little... Just give him his nice couple of years on his... Broad of his back. Chilling out. Amrabat. Oh, my God. Get rid of that, lad. Sell him. Gone. Dreadful player. Mason Mount. I'd keep him just purely because I have not seen him play yet. And when he has played, he's actually been okay. Bruno Fernandes. You didn't answer Mason Mount. I'm the same. Okay. Bruno Fernandez now I'm very very conflicted with Bruno Fernandez. I'm not. I I would absolutely build. You could cash in on him and you could get between seventy and ninety million. You're you're not getting any less than a hundred for him. Yeah, and that makes him out to sixty. How do you think you're going to get only seventy for Bruno? But Bruno's over a hundred. Okay, right. That's besides the point. Um. Like I get you, I get the cashing in I, see, I haven't exactly said that yet I'm still trying to process this in my head <clears throat> Right He He's an incredible player Fantastic He is The numbers in terms of chances created Speak for themselves I just think he can be a hindrance sometimes So, what are you doing? I don't think I'd build a team around him. And if you're you're not keeping him to sit on the bench, so you're selling. So I'd sell him. Right, captain. Yeah, I don't know who you're giving to the captaincy to. Yeah, I don't know either. That's for Graham Potter to suss out. Look, okay, I'm obviously keeping Bruno. Um. Christian Eriksen gone yeah, yeah. sell Casemiro sell him sell here actually here you go why, why are you not keeping him but you kept Varane I get it like at least at least he'd be fit more he would 
I don't think it does not a I not this is not a scientific answer for you. I wouldn't keep two of them. Okay. I keep one of them. So I'm not if if you want to sell Varane and keep Casemiro, I'm happy. Or I'd rather to, go to war with Casemiro than Varane. So if so you're going to keep I. one of them, I'd keep Casemiro. <clears throat> yeah, but I, agree. I wouldn't keep any of them because I agree. I, they're I, too old and washed. I keep Casemiro. You don't. Yeah, I keep Casemiro. Then I'd sell Varane. I keep Casemiro. I'd sell both. Copy menu. Keep, keep. Actually, no. What am I saying? Build, build, build. Build. He is genuinely one of the most like glaringly obvious world class talents in the world. Like I've ever seen. He is outrageous. He's 18 and he's out there playing like he's been playing there for 18 years. He looks like it's quite easy. He's not trying. He's not bust. Like he's not breaking into. He's like he's in third gear, second gear, just cruising around the pitch. He glides, glides around the pitch, passing brilliant. Just taking the. Like I'm watching Man United and I'm screaming for a player that'll take the ball on the half turn and drive forward, progress the ball. And he does it effortlessly at 18. He's shown, genuinely, he's shown half the players out there how to play. What I would say is, okay, in the 18 months Ten Hag has been here, in his first season, he quite clearly in pre-season identified Garnacho and said, I think he's good enough. And he gave him enough opportunity to integrate him into the team and it was a success. Yeah. This pre-season, he looked at Kobe Manu and he said, I think he's good enough. And he integrated him, played him loads in preseason, and the whole intention was to play him this season in the games. Got injured, unfortunately, but he's back in the team now. And he's done brilliantly. Yes. So there's, again, two examples of Ten Hag being a really good, like you said, coach. Yeah. Where that could fit Ineos' plans that you said. It, you're right, it is about whether Ten Hag is willing to relinquish the power. Perhaps, but he definitely has gotten it right with them two players. Without a doubt. And, he, and, and fair play to him for giving them the opportunity. Facundo Pellistri. It's looking like he's gone so, anyway, but he's gone. He is everyone everyone gives Pellistri like all these props because he starts for Uruguay. He went on loan to Deportivo Alaves twice and I don't think he got one goal contribution. And he's played for United and I've never been blown away by him once. He's like a terrier, sticks the head down, he runs. Not impressed. No. Scott McTominay. <laughs> I take his hall pass and I toss it in the Thames. You want him lend Carrington? Again? I won't even sell him. I don't want him to play football anymore. Yeah. Doesn't deserve to play football. He's dreadful. Like just just to go back to my point. I'm looking at Manu out there. Yeah. Doing things McTominay could only dream of doing. McTominay is hiding out on the pitch constantly. I don't know how he's gotten away with it for five years now. He's started under. Every manager that's been there, it's actually staggering. I'd love to know why. It must just be because he gets it or something, or he gets it in inverted commas. Sell. Oh my God. I don't know how he even got a career. Sell. Sell. Actually, no. I don't even want a transfer fee for him. Bin. Hannibal. Sell. Yeah. He looks, he looks a determined little player, but he... I've seen nothing other than going around nicking at legs, ankles. Yeah. I'd probably keep Hannibal. You know, we need some players left in the club. <laughs> ah, yeah, but like you're replacing all these with actual footballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony, Anthony Martial. That has to be a sell. Ah, it is a sell, but my... It has to be It's a like sell. an end of an era. Yeah, don't, don't, you've repped him far too long. That has to be a sell. He might still... in. You know, you keep him just for the... Just for... He might 
get that Ballon d'Or clause? Marcus Rashford. Um, I have my mind made up. Marcus Rashford. I feel like you're going to sell him. It's it's just because right, he signed a brand new contract. He is he's very marketable asset right now. Very, he's a superstar. Like, but, if, but I just think you could get a serious, serious amount of money for him. That would now that's a hundred million plus, without a doubt. That's one hundred fifty nearly, and especially to PSG who love him. If PSG lose Mbappe, he, they, they will go for Rashford. They will go gun ho for Rashford. They've loved him for years now. I feel like. That would really free United up in terms of... To be of honest, I play. think that's the best move for Rashford. Forget United. Yeah. If Rashford goes over to France, all that space that Mbappe has gotten, he'd be a superstar over there. Not as much... A lot of teams look at the likes of Kane and Bellingham. Out of the limelight, the only time you hear about either of them is when they score. Yeah. They could drop a stinker no one hears about. Yeah, you're right. No one's watching it. Yeah. But when they, they score two goals, it's wow, they've scored again. Yeah, I know. So I think the I think Rashford needs to go abroad. To I be think honest. he's too inconsistent in the Premier League. I think you can. And there's I've, no doubt. I, can I just no, say I've no, backed him for so long. You have. I lo- he's my favorite player, by the way, Rashford. But he is watching him really in depth this season. He just doesn't look good. No. Last season he did. This mm. season he doesn't. Season before he didn't. Season before he did. That's not good enough for United. He's not a young lad especially, anymore. Especially, especially when you can cash. If he was only going to get you fifty million, I keep him. Oh my god, I keep him. But he'll free up so much financial fair play that United can actually go out and make a difference and, and a dent in the transfer market. Like a really, really go out and make a dent. I, that's my opinion there. Yeah, I'd sell Rashford. Rasmus Hoyland. Keep. Keep. Ahmad Diallo. Keep. I like him. Keep. Garnacho, build, build. Yeah. I, I think he is very, very, very good. Um, that doesn't mean look start him a lot, but it doesn't mean every single game get other players to challenge him in that position. But I think he's really good. I really do. He respect. is really good. He's got the he's got the personality. Yeah, I think he's very good. Um, Anthony, uh-huh. sell, sell. May get whatever you can for him. I don't think he's good enough. And he fin- hasn't shown anything. Finally, Jaden Sancho. I'd sell him for the attitude. Sell him, yeah. I'd sell him for the attitude. You'd get money for him. Yeah, I really. Attitude's poor. Which is a shame. I really thought he'd amount to something. But like he's a young player, he could still amount to something if he goes and actually realizes the potential he has. Yeah. And commits to being a good footballer. He could, but for now, there doesn't seem to be drive there. That's our dissection on Manchester United. We'll be back at the end of the week to preview some Premier League. Finally. Thank God. Thank God. Guys, thank you so much for listening and see you at the end of the week. <laughs>